Hey, Heartbreakers, welcome back to another Breakdown bonus episode where once again, you're stuck with just me. This is one of those episodes where because I had a mental health professional give the story, I'm like, it'd be really weird to have like another therapist comment on something that a therapist already gave us advice on. But luckily, this is a topic that I deal with myself pretty much all the time. I label myself the queen of self-sabotage at least once a day, if not every day. And self-sabotage is one of those things that I've never tackled in my own life because because I think the trick of self-sabotage is you think your behaviors in one way or another are helping you. Even though it's like the definition of insanity, you do the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result or expecting there to be some kind of success from that result. And of course, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and it always just ends in absolute disaster. And so I thought I would talk about my own experiences with self-sabotage, my take on what Jessica from the main episode talked about with defining what the traitor within means and how that can help you have healthier relationships and also just what I've learned from my own experience in therapy. So let's get into it. So I'll start off by talking about my own personal experience with self-sabotage and from my own journey of self-help and trying to figure out why I do the things that I do, I've come to the conclusion that one of the reasons that I self-sabotage is because I have a crippling fear of failure. And for me, my self-sabotaging behavior comes up a lot in terms of procrastination. Like I notice that I tend to put things off or I tend to automatically think that things are gonna go poorly if I actually put an effort. And I think a lot of that is deeply rooted in the fact that I have a fear that if I actually try and I fail at it, or if I actually try and I'm not as good as it as I thought I would, I am going to spiral because I'm a perfectionist into like a self-hatred slump, which makes no sense because as a perfectionist, I'm in a constant state of being in a self-hatred slump. So like, why not just actually give a fuck and see if things will work work out for the best because the only reason I became a perfectionist is because I gave a fuck and things worked out. And because things worked out, I wanted things to be perfect because that's what perfectionists do. You just want to continue to work and work and work until things get better. But I think when you do that for such a long period of time, you set the bar so high for yourself that sometimes it can feel insurmountable. And for me, like especially with this podcast, I notice sometimes I will push things off and push things off like this episode because I have a crippling fear of doing something and being bad at it. I have a crippling fear of finding out that I have just faked it (laughs) this long and that there's not actually any real substance within me and I'm going to open my mouth and turn on this mic and find out that there's actually really nothing to give. And the reality is if I would just turn on the freaking mic and record this, (laughs) which pause, Welcome to my internal monologue, because this was really just word vomiting everything I was thinking to myself before I turned this mic on. But if I would just turn the freaking mic on, I would realize that hmm, I've been doing this podcast for two years and I must not be absolutely horrible about it because you're here listening. One of the things that I've also learned about self-sabotage is that it's driven by negative self-talk. And this is something that I've recently learned in my own therapy journey is I've become more cognizant of how much I put myself down on a day-to-day basis. If I were to tally up up the number of times I say bad things about myself versus the, the times that I actually say good things about myself, like I literally think it'd be like a 90 to 10 ratio, like 90 bad things. And then maybe, 
maybe 10 good things. And maybe that's only if I'm actually putting on makeup that day or if I have a good day at work. And I've noticed this about myself actually from doing some of these breakdown bonus episodes. Amy from New Perspectives who comes on some of these bonus episodes, she said something that has really stuck with me over my self-discovery journey. And I can't remember which episode it first came up on, but I keep bringing it up because it is something that I've had to consciously do to improve how much I talk about myself poorly. And she said that the brain is going to believe what you tell it. And so when you have those positive affirmations, as silly as it might feel, you're literally feeding your brain the positivity it needs to feel good about itself, to feel like you have a sense of self-worth and self-confidence. And for me, like I hate things that are cheesy and cringe. And so the thought of... Like looking in the mirror and being like, I am beautiful. I am smart. Honestly, it makes me cringe to myself because it sounds so cliche and dumb. But I notice that when I feed myself positive affirmations, it makes it huge difference on how I perform in my day-to-day life, which makes a lot of sense. Like if self-sabotage is driven by how you're talking about yourself, you should probably start talking to yourself in a better way so you can stop self-sabotaging. This also makes a lot of sense for me because one of my biggest love languages is words of affirmation. And how stupid am I for just relying on the words of affirmation that I could maybe potentially, hopefully get from somebody else? And of course, the weight of somebody else's observation is gonna mean so much more because when you give yourself a positive affirmation, it really does kind of feel like your parents giving you a compliment. Like, okay, thanks mom and dad, but of course you're gonna say that you're my parents. I literally share DNA with you. So if you don't say something nice about me, who is? With the disclaimer that I understand not everybody has parents that say nice things to them or about them. Not trying to say that that's everybody's experience, but you get what I'm trying to say. Whoever that person in your life is for you. And so something that I've noticed is when I achieve small peaks in success, that is when I become the most self-sabotage-y, which is an adjective that I'm going to coin for this episode. I get very self-sabotage-y. I remember about a year and a half when my podcast was the highest on the charts when I went viral on TikTok once. A lot of success was happening very, very quickly. And there was a part of me that went into major procrastination mode because I was afraid of what would happen if I was actually successful or if I was actually put in a position to be successful. Would I be able to handle the criticism and the higher level of scrutiny and the higher level of success and the higher pressure that was going to come with that? And I think admittedly, like there was a little bit of self-sabotage on my end when that happened. And to be fair, maybe I wasn't ready for that level yet. Maybe I hadn't reached that level yet. My body knew that I wasn't prepared and maybe the self-sabotage was a form of self-preservation. But I think the sad part about that experience is I will never know. And and as I get older, I think regret is something I don't want to experience anymore. I want to take more risks because I've regretted so many things I've done in my past where I've held myself back. Let's be real. You got one life to live. And if you're if you're the one thing standing in your way from the things that you know are going to drive you towards a better life or a more fulfilling phase of your life, girl, you got to sit down and stop being self-sabotaging. So if you can relate to anything that I've said, maybe you have self-sabotaging behaviors with food or exercise, or maybe it's something at work. Like, you know, when you get an email and it causes you like a little bit of anxiety and you know that you need to get to it, but you just keep putting it off, putting it off. And then it gets to the point where you've waited so long that it feels embarrassing to like finally respond to that person. Why do we do that? 
I know I'm not the only person that does that. Why why would I put off my work or why would I put off my emails when that's literally going to be something that helps my company and me and makes me a better employee and a better coworker? I know when that happens to me, it's usually because I think, oh my God, I'm going to get yelled at in this email or I know whatever response I have to come up with is going to lead me to feel more anxious or I have to do a little bit of work that I know might take a while before I can respond to this person or I didn't respond to their last email and now I'm anxious about responding to this one because then I have to apologize for missing the last one. And just a whole annoying cycle, right? But I I saw something on TikTok the other day and I really wanted to insert it in this episode because I thought it was so helpful. But do you remember a while back and you'll only really get this if you've been on TikTok, but there was this trend about how you just need to be delusional. If you want something out of life, if there's a goal you're trying to accomplish, you need to be delusional. And there were so many people stitching those videos and saying, this is what happened when I was delusional and look at where I ended up now. You got to be delusional. And so a point that somebody was making about why that was so successful, like why being delusional actually really helps people accomplish things, even if they think like it's completely like out of their league, like they were shooting their shot with somebody and the DMs is that you have to feed your brain the right thoughts to be able to accept things in life. And I think that's why people think manifestation works. I mean, maybe it it actually does. Maybe there's like science behind it. I don't know. But I think the reason why manifestation works and being delusional work is because it puts you in a position to feel like you deserve things so that when things happen in your life that lead you to that goal, it doesn't feel uncomfortable. It doesn't trigger you to self-sabotage. You just feel like, oh, I deserve this. It goes into the cycle of having that positive self-talk. And do you know who I think is the perfect example of this? The person who I think think delulu their way to the top, of course, until they got sent to jail. I have been watching the show Inventing Anna, and I know I'm so late to this. I know everybody was watching this like a year or two years ago. You know, the girl who's always like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for you, which is my horrible German slash Russian slash whatever accent. But the whole premise of that show is this girl who just thinks she deserves everything to happen to her, even though she's literally doing everything illegally. I don't know what the financial things she did. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. But what homegirl did was she basically had such a sense of entitlement that she scammed people into thinking that she was an heiress and therefore ended up in environments where an heiress would be, had the connections that an heiress would have, would be in the hotels that an heiress would stay in. And while I don't condone whatever type of fraud scheme was going on there with her, you have to respect it a little bit. The hustle was real. And I think the only reason it worked out for her for so long, because I think she did this for a couple of years, is because she was delusional and she thought that she deserved it. So when things in her life happened that led her to getting those things, she didn't reject it or self-sabotage it. She just ran straight towards it until she ended up in jail. But you know what? That's not the moral of the story here. The moral of the story is that a major way we can combat self-sabotaging behavior is to stop talking shit to ourselves and start feeding our brains the message that we want it to believe. Okay, on to my next point with self-sabotage because this is something else that I really struggle with and I know that if I'm struggling with it, you probably are too. And for me, I think a lot of the reasons that I also self-sabotage is I am a control freak. And when we self-sabotage, it essentially allows us to control the outcome. And there's something 
something weirdly comfortable about knowing what it's going to be, even if it's not what you want. Like for me, I know if I go to the grocery store and I go down an aisle, specifically the ice cream aisle, and I see something that says buy one, get one, I'm going to get the buy one, get one ice cream. And for me, it's not smart for me to go down that aisle because I'll know I'll I'll eat the entire ice cream pint when I get back to my apartment. And that doesn't align with my fitness goals. But every time I go into Publix, I know if I walk down the aisle, that's what's going to happen. So I try to avoid the aisle. But then every now and then there's like a little voice in the back of my head that's like, hey, what if there's like frozen yogurt on sale? You should go down that aisle and see if there's any. There's never frozen yogurt on sale. It's always the same delicious Ben and Jerry's pints of ice cream that are on sale. And I'm so stupid because once I see that it's buy one, get one, I'm like, this is the universe's sign that I should get some ice cream and I swear I won't finish it in three days. And every single time I do the exact same thing, but I always think it's going to be different. But I think subconsciously I'm more comfortable in staying where I am than actually saying no to the behaviors that are not serving me. Because at the end of the day, if I want my life to change, your my behaviors have to change. And I know every single time I go down that aisle, I'm getting something delicious. And while I fully condone indulging in your favorite treats. This is not like a never have ice cream speech. It's more of like a, I know what behaviors are going to lead me to do things that lead me to the same result. You have to make the conscious choice to realize it's uncomfortable to change. And so therefore you have to make an uncomfortable decision, which I'm still getting over because I just love ice cream. I really do. I really do. And there's a part of me that loves when I self-sabotage. Going back to what Jessica said in the main episode this week, like my traitor within is that little voice in my head that's like, girl, you love milk and cookies like that milk and cookies flavor from Ben and Jerry's like it's so good and it's buy one get one so it's basically free like girl math like you spent no money like think of think of what you would have spent money on if you hadn't gotten this ice cream like I really like the traitor within me is going to talk me into getting a sweet treat every single time because like when it's sweet o'clock it's sweet o'clock and your girl loves some Ben and Jerry's now jumping on board with what Jessica was talking about with her self-sabotaging behaviors and when she was talking about her concept of the traitor within you she talked about how a lot of our childhood wounds keep us in things that are comfortable for us. And for her, that was trying to save people. Like if somebody had problems, she wanted to swoop in and be that person for them. And that made her feel comfortable and safe because that's what she knew. And I think everybody has done this at least once. Like I know for me, I return to the same type of guy over and over again because it makes me feel safer to let myself fall for somebody that I feel like I already know. Because The first time you start to develop feelings for somebody is so freaking scary. And I find myself subconsciously leaning towards the same personality type, guys who kind of look the same. I love the rat from flushed away look, like the floppy brown hair, tall, skinny, like that's my vibe. And I think it's because the one of the first people I ever really fell for looked exactly like that. So I think subconsciously I see that and I go, ah, yes, even though I know it didn't end well, I'm just going to stick with this because it feels safe to do so. And maybe you do that based off of something shallow, like a personality or a look like me, or maybe it's a type of person, like you're really attracted to a certain kind of person and it keeps you in the cycle of ending up in the same kind of relationship over and over again. I know that I'm not alone in this because I'm on TikTok right now. Like here I am, look at me referencing TikTok, like I'm referencing some kind of ancient relationship tech. (laughs) It's going to help us discover the truth as to why we do what we do. But people have been using that Taylor Swift song to out themselves for doing the same thing. It's the lyric from 
I think it's Is It Over Now, which is one of the new 1989 vaults. It's like, your new girl is my clone. And everyone's using that <laughs> little bit of music to be like, yeah, I sing this song as if I haven't dated a five foot ten man with blonde hair and a dry, sarcastic humor type of personality. And I'm like, we really are all living the same life. Like, we're really just dating different versions of our exes and expecting it to end up differently, which is literally the definition of insanity. But you know what? Sometimes you got to live in your insane era before you break through and get into your healed, strong sense of self-worth, non-self-sabotage era. I'll come up with a better title for it, I swear, but I think it's important to look at the patterns in our life and see why we're drawn to certain things or certain people and to make conscious efforts to make changes to break us out of that cycle. Because if we want better for ourselves or if we want something that's different, it's going to take us making tangible changes in our life and taking those steps to be able to lead us towards, you know, not ending up in the same cycle. Because I'm guilty of it. I know you're guilty of it in some areas of your life. Because if you weren't, you wouldn't have clicked on a podcast that said, let's talk about self-sabotaging with me, the queen of self-sabotaging. You would be listening to some smarter person's podcast. Like, I don't know, fucking Andrew Huberman or one of those smart PhD dudes, not some yappy girl on the internet. But regardless, I'm glad you decided to tune into this episode. Thank you for listening. Of course, I will be back again on Tuesday with another main episode for you and more breakdown bonus content. I'll see you whenever you decide to tune in next.